Well, if you have your Bibles today, I want you to turn in the, the New Testament to the book of Colossians. And uh, there's pictures of our family that I could show you today, but I see that my clock is ticking down. And I wonder when it gets to zero, is there a trap door? <laughs> or do they press uh, an ejection button and I go sailing through the ceiling? Or what? In the book of Colossians, I want you to find the book of Colossians chapter 3. And I'm going to preach a brand new message today that I've never preached before. And it's just for you. And I sense the Holy Spirit here so real and so strong. Listen to verse 23 and 24. And whatever you do, do it heartily or do it with all of your might and all of your strength and do it unto the Lord, not unto men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to preach a message entitled, I'm all in. I'm all in. And just before I do, I want to show you a little video that our team just put together. There is even an actor that is supposed to portray me, but it shows a little bit about how Joni and I started. We built the first, our first Christian TV station in Montgomery, Alabama. That's the state capital of Alabama. That's where Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. started his ministry. And you'll see a little bit of then how that one little station turned into Daystar. Let's watch that video and then I'm going to begin the message. Let's watch this.
Okay, I may have gotten that out of order, but let me explain. There was the little boy who eventually became a championship swimmer. Pastor Sam, he first had to overcome his fear. He first had to declare, I'm all in. He had to jump off that diving board into that water and overcome his anxiety. And you, some of you today, God is calling you to do great things. He's calling you to greatness. He's calling you to do extraordinary things. And you've got to take that first step and you've got to declare, I'm all in. So we'll, now let's show you the other video. And it also goes along with the subject because Joni and I had to make the decision years ago when we first started when we came to the very end of time to get the station on the air, the government in America gives you a certain amount of time when you build a TV station. And if you don't get it built during that time, they cancel the permit. And Kathy, they don't refund your money. So if you pour millions of dollars into it and you don't get that TV station on the air in the required amount of time, you lose it all. And Joni and I, had to make the decision just like that little boy. And I remember saying to her, if we're walking up to the very edge of the cliff in New Zealand, you know about cliffs. And I said, we may fall off. We may lose everything because we're running out of time. The vultures are circling, but I know I've heard from God. I know I've had a word from the Lord. So I'm going to do my part. And if I lose it all, and if I have to spend the rest of my life working a secular job to pay everybody back their money they put into this to help us, then I'm willing to do that because I'm all in. Let's watch this little video, and then I'll preach the rest of the message. We were on the Mount of Olives, and the still, small voice of the Lord spoke to me. And he said, go and build first Christian TV station in the history of the state. I remember when we got it all, I got in my little Volkswagen and I drove to Dallas to start working on building Daystar. The Potter's House Church wants to take the time to thank the Lord for Channel 29 all of its affiliates, and particularly for Marcus and Joni Lamb, and the tremendous job they're doing of reaching the world for Jesus Christ. We just appreciate them so Every yes to God is an open door to the impossible. Christian television right now is all about Jesus, and we are giving the bread of life to hungry people. We are so proud to be on the Daystar Network. One thing about Christian television is it can go places that we might not ever be able to go. Do you know Daystar is on over 200 countries every day?
and to God be all of the glory. Let me ask you something. Are you really all in? You know, some people say they are, but they've got one foot in the door and one foot out of the door. They're already thinking of a plan B. What if this fails? What if this doesn't work out? They're looking over their shoulder. There was a great Major League Baseball player named Satchel Paige, and he said, never look back because somebody may be gaining on you. There's nothing in the past to be looking back towards anyway. We need to be looking for today and looking forward to tomorrow. So what is a life like that is fully all in? It's when you give all of your mind, all of your body, and all of your soul or spirit, and you yield it to the Lord. A surrendered vessel, one that says, God, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll say what you want me to say, and I'll be what you want me to be. That's what God is looking for. But there's so many people that they're constantly talking about a dream, Pastor Sam, but they're not putting any faith into action. Faith is not just something you say or something you think or something you declare, but faith is something that you do. By your actions, you show forth your faith. I'm about to get excited in New Zealand. Hallelujah. And then there are people that they'd say that they're all in, but they've never made a total spiritual commitment. You can work hard towards your dream. You can try to do what you think is best to do. But if there's still unforgiveness or bitterness in your heart, then you haven't made a total spiritual commitment. And only when you settle those things and get those things right are you going to be ready to be used mightily by God. And I think about what the Scripture says when God said, I'd rather you be hot or cold, that if you're lukewarm, I'll spew, I'll spew you out of my mouth. Do y'all have Starbucks in New Zealand? Okay, you know what Starbucks is. Well, I don't drink anything at Starbucks, but Joni, she keeps Starbucks in business all by herself. But I know that even my Joni, as much as she loves Starbucks and lattes and cappuccinos and frappuccinos and all the other chinos, I know this, that if it was lukewarm, it wasn't hot, it wasn't cold, that she wouldn't want to drink it. She'd say, put that in the microwave. Well, God wants us to be on fire for him. So my question is, Equippers Church, what's your temperature? To all of you watching on Daystar around the world, what is your temperature? Well, that little boy in that video, he had to make the first step. And I know what that's like because I'm afraid of water. I'm afraid of heights. That's about the only two things I'm afraid of. But uh, Joni and our kids, they're like dolphins. They're not afraid of the water at all. And I know all of you New Zealanders, you're around the water all the time, so you're probably not afraid of the water, and you think I'm weird. But what happened to me was I jumped into my neighbor's pool when I was a little boy, and when I thought I was going up, I was going down. 
and I almost ran out of air, and I almost drowned. Now, I can swim, and I will get in the water, I'll get in the ocean, but I'm not going to be a, a, a dolphin or a porpoise like Joni and our kids. So I understand that. So let me tell you a story. When the Lord called Joni and me to start that first station in Montgomery, Alabama, it was so difficult. Two other groups had tried to build this TV station before we did. And when we came to Montgomery, Sam and Kathy, we were in our mid-20s. So people looked at us and said, ah, this young couple, they don't have any experience. They've never built a TV station before. They don't have a track record. And I think about preachers years ago. I started preaching when I was 15. And you know what the pastors would say? They would say, I'll use you when you get some experience. Well, stop and think about that a minute. If they're not going to use you until you get any experience, how are you ever going to get any experience? So they'll use you. So I know that people were looking at Joni and me saying they're too young, they're unqualified, they don't know what they are doing, and they were right. We didn't know what we were doing, but we had a dream in our heart. We had a word from the Lord. We had a mandate from God, and we were all in. So we heard about uh, a great man of God. He was coming to visit Montgomery, and I wonder if any of you have ever heard of him, Dr. Lester Sumrall. Anybody ever heard of Dr. Lester Sumrall? Dr. Lester Sumrall was a remarkable man of God who was connected all the way back to the legendary Smith Wigglesworth in England. Lester Summerall had built several Christian TV stations, and he was, at that time, Joni's favorite minister. Of course, I think now she says, I am. I don't know if that's true, but she says it anyway to make me feel good. So we heard he was coming to the city, and we wanted him to come by our fledgling TV station. Now, at that time, it was not on the air. The transmitter for a TV station is like the engine to a car. And the transmitter that we bought, for, or that we actually acquired for our TV station, we rescued it from the city dump. It had been thrown away by another TV station. And it was so old that it originally broadcast in black and white. I'm convinced that Noah brought it over on the ark. So that, t that transmitter was in the double bay garage of the building we were renting, and it was in all these wooden boxes, and it had spider webs, and that, that's actual footage right there from 1984. So 30-something years ago, I was a little slimmer. Look at my pretty Joni. She's pregnant right there. We got pregnant in the midst of this and didn't have any medical insurance, and we did not have any salary or money coming in. So there's the, that's the building right there. But right next to that was the double bay garage. So the, the spider webs, uh, insects, I mean, dirt everywhere, and it was in a thousands of pieces. It looked like Frankenstein before they put him together. So Dr. Summerall came, and we just said, if you could just stay five minutes and just pray a prayer, a blessing. He looked at that mess that we were in, 
And he did pray the prayer. So thank you, Brother Summerall. Or, well, you're up there in heaven now. Thank you, Dr. Summerall. But after he left, he told some mutual friends. Let me speak to the balcony up here. Hello, balcony. He told some mutual friends that he didn't know they were mutual friends. That young couple, Marcus and Joni Lamb, they don't know what they're doing, and there will never be a Christian TV station in Montgomery, Alabama. So what does that say? That even if a prophet of God, even if an angel comes and says that you can't do it, as long as God says you can do it, as long as God has given you a word, my dear friend Kenneth Copeland says, one word from God can change your life forever. So Equippers Church, it doesn't matter what the city says. It doesn't matter what the council says. It doesn't matter what the nation says or the bankers say or the judges say. If God says he's for you, then you're going to make it. I'm all in. You've got to declare that to God in the midst of the circumstance. I'll just throw it down on the ground right there. So listen to this. Anytime you are pursuing God's call in your life, you can expect opposition. Because other people, they haven't gotten that word from God. They haven't gotten that call from God. They don't know what's in your heart. They don't know what God has declared to you privately. So it doesn't mean that they're bad or they're wrong. They're just human, and they make mistakes. Listen to this. When you live for the acceptance of others, then you'll die when they reject you. When you live for the acceptance of others, you'll die when they reject you. There are people who have a man-pleasing spirit or a man-fearing spirit. You need to get beyond all of that. The only person you're trying to please is God himself. So you need to declare, even when opposition comes, God, I'm all in. Let me, just, let me tell you a second story. So we finally got on the air. And this was so funny. Kathy, you'll love this. When we got on the air, I said to Joni, now you need to be on the program with me because one, you're a whole lot better looking than I am. And two, there are more women who watch Christian television than men. And three, it'll be a whole lot more interesting. So Joni was thinking, no, I'm not going to be on you, on, on the air with you. I'm shy. I can't be on TV. I don't know what to say. And to tell you, our beginnings were so meager, we didn't know anybody really in the city. So Jonathan, who's now 31, the one that Joni was pregnant with in the video, where we didn't have any medical insurance, she had to put him in an infant seat right there beside the couch while we're showing the live program. So right in the middle of the program, you might hear, wah, 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 wah. And it wasn't a duck, it was Jonathan. Said, I'm hungry, or I need you to change my diaper. So live on the air, no, she didn't change the diaper live on the air, but 
she got up off this couch, off the set live on the air, and went to take care of him. So we had been on the air about October, November, December, January, about four or five months. And our cameras were so old. They were so bad. Now, my name is Lamb, but I look like a raccoon. Do y'all know what raccoons are in New Zealand? You couldn't even tell I had eyes, much less what color they were, because I kind of have sunk deep-set eyes anyway, and those cameras were just so dark, so bad. And our first guy that was supposedly an engineer, he was so strange. He told us that he one time was taken away by a, a spaceship, an alien spaceship. He was kind of alien. But I appreciate all the efforts and things uh, that, that he did to try to help us. And he'd try to work on those cameras all day long, and they'd quit working, and they'd, he'd try to fix them, and it was just really bad. So one night, we're doing the program live, and all of a sudden, bam! Sounded like a rifle going off. One of the cameras died. Smoke started coming out of it. That, that's the set right there. Look, look at there. I had a lot more hair back. Look at Joni's hair. Look how bad those graphics are. Look, look at it all messing up. I mean, look at that. All right, hold on. Wait, don't show that yet. Pause. I'll share the offering with you if you'll help me out, Mr. Control Room. Hold on a second. I can't get to that part yet. So, uh, two or three minutes later, bam again. Second camera dies. And then, boom, bam, the third camera died. And guess how many cameras we had? We had three. So now we're off the air, and I am just dying. I mean, I'm dying. I'm embarrassed. I'm humiliated. Plus, I'm thinking, I need to tell the people an explanation. I need to at least ask them to help me pray. So I called uh, one of the volunteers. It was an audio guy. And I said, can we rig up, I don't know, that may not be Kiwi, rig up, that may not make sense. Can we, y'all understand what rig up, oh good. Can we rig up a microphone in the control room? So that's the control room, that's it, that's the actual microphone. Didn't we bring it? All right, I'd ask for it. All right, we have it somewhere, but that's it. See that microphone? I told him to bring it with me to, to New Zealand, so I don't know where it is. And I apologize for that, but you can see it right there. It's an Electra Voice 635A. So after about 10 minutes, the volunteer came and said, I think, I got it, I think we can do something. But here's the problem. They couldn't see me, so when, when, we, when we switched from going off the air because all three cameras died, we've turned on the satellite, and Bishop John Jimenez of the world-famous Rock Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. He was on satellite, so now the people are seeing and hearing him. Okay, and so when I walked in there to that control room, and that's actually when it happened right there, that's like January of 1985, no, 86, we turned the audio down on Bishop John Jimenez, <laughs> and then I start talking. 
Now think how confused the people had to be. They'd been watching little Marcus and Joni live. Boom, camera out, I hurt. <laughs> I'm gonna do it up here, it's a lot more easier. Boom, camera dive, one camera, two cameras, three cameras. Now, no Marcus and Joni. Next thing they see in here, John Jimenez preaching. A few minutes later, John Jimenez says, no audio, we turn him, because we tried to turn him down, and now they're hearing the little Lamb of God, but they're seeing John Jimenez. And I just said, ladies and gentlemen, I just wanted to give you an explanation of what happened about our cameras, and I'm so sorry, and I'm so embarrassed, and I just said, would you just please pray for us? I didn't ask, look, there's John Jimenez, that's it. And I said, I, I'm so sorry. And Pastor Sam, I never asked anybody to give. But we had seven prayer lines, seven phones. And the precious people of Montgomery started calling. And they started pledging $25, $50, And they said, we want to help you buy a new camera. And in two hours' time, over $12,000 was called in and pledged. Now it took about 30 days up there in the third balcony for the money to come in. And then I got in my little car and I drove from Montgomery, Alabama to Birmingham to buy that one new camera. We didn't tell any of our audience, we wanted to surprise them. So we were doing a program live and there's those three old cameras. We had gotten them fixed by then. Here's Marcus instead of the little lamb. He's the raccoon like this. And then we switched to the new camera for about a minute or two. People started calling in and said, look, Marcus has eyes. <laughs> then we switched back to one of the old cameras. And without asking, people started calling again and pledging. And they said, it's so obvious that we need to help you buy two more new cameras to match that new one. And the people called and pledged, and they gave. And can I tell you a neat little after story about that? Several years later, when we moved from Montgomery to Dallas, Texas, to start Daystar, the Lord spoke to my heart, and we, those th we, the three new cameras that we had gotten we donated them to Christ for the Nation's Bible College to be a blessing to them. But here is the point, that there are moments in your life when unexpected things can happen and try to threaten your dream, try to kill the, the mission that God has put you on. But God can take a bad situation and he can turn it into a good situation. He turned three bad cameras into three new cameras and a praise report that I'm still heralding around the world even 30 years later. That's the goodness of God. So when failure seems inevitable, that's the moment to stand up and declare, God, I'm all in. Woo! Somebody praise the Lord in Equippers Church. <laughs> Story number three. 
God called Joni and me to Dallas, Texas. Anybody ever watched Dallas, the TV show? You know who J.R. Ewing is? Well, he called us to Dallas, and so we were going to build a station in Dallas. And for a TV station, remember I told you the transmitter is like the engine to a car. Well, the tower is a huge part of a TV station. That's what you put your antenna on, and the transmitter sends the signal up the tower, out the antenna, and the taller your tower is, the further your signal will go out, and therefore the more people that you can reach. And that's the whole reason that Joni and I and Daystar exist, so we can reach the most people. And it's 700 million homes in around the world that Daystar is in, which is over 2 billion people. So we called the tall, the tall tower the tall preacher. So we're building this tower, and it got up to 300 feet. And one day I got a call, and I was in my little cubbyhole office. There's the tower that finally was completed. But I'm in my little cubbyhole office, and let me tell you how much of a little tiny office it was. It wasn't even an office, it was a closet. It was three and a half feet deep. It was only five and a half feet tall. So I, even as short as I am, I couldn't stand up all the way in it. And when I sat down at uh, the counter, it was a countertop. It wasn't even a desk. If I sat in my chair, I couldn't even close the door behind me. And Pastor Sam, I didn't have a computer, no internet, no cell phone. All I had was a fax machine and a, a typewriter. And there it is. That's the actual off the little closet right there. And the reason we even had that was Rebecca. Stand up. Rebecca was a surprise. We didn't know she was coming. So we had to build another bedroom onto our house. And so I said, well, can you make me an office? They said, this is the only space we have. And that's it. So it really, it was just a glorified closet. So I'm in that closet office. The phone rings. And I'm told that two of the tower workers fell from 300 feet, and they were dead. What do you say? What do you do? I know in the natural it's going to be a scandal. It's going to be on the news. I know that we're probably going to get sued, tied up in court, in litigation. It's going to cost thousands of dollars that we didn't have. But most of all, I felt bad for the family and friends of these two young men. And I just began to pray. And I really didn't know what to say. But when we don't know what to say or what to pray, if you yield to the precious Holy Spirit, He will begin to pray through you in the heavenly language. And He will talk to the Father and the Son on your behalf. And He will know the proper prayer to pray. And when you pray in the Holy Spirit, Ephesians says, you pray, Romans says, you pray in the will of God. Romans 8, 26 and 27. You see, Satan will always try 
to kill your dream, to kill your mission when it's a baby or in its infancy. He tried to kill Moses as a baby. He tried to kill Joseph, the great dreamer, when he was a young boy. He tried to kill Jesus when he was a baby. But after about 45 minutes, the telephone rang again. And they said, Marcus, I've got good news. Those two men were not dead. They were just unconscious, and we thought they were dead. Joni and I went to the hospital. We led one of them to the Lord and his girlfriend to the Lord. So think about that. When it looked like there was tragedy, God can even turn a tragedy into a triumph. What looked like death, God brought to life. And you know what? Later, one of those young men said, I had a dream that as I was falling off that tower, that I landed in the lap of an angel. And it felt like a soft pillow. And yeah, they sued everybody and their brother, but they didn't sue little Marcus and Joni Lamb or our fledgling little Christian TV station there in Dallas, Texas. So what does that say to you? Terrible things can happen, but if you trust God and you say, God, regardless, I'm all in. Now, I want to quote some verses for you. Numbers 23, 19. In other words, when you've got a dream, when you've got a mission, when you've got a word from God and you're thinking, am I going to make it? Am I going to succeed? Am I going to uh, accomplish what God has called me to do? Remember verses like this. Numbers 23, 19. Behold, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Has he said it? And shall he not do it? Has he spoken it? And shall he not make it good? Psalms 27, 13 and 14. I had fainted unless I'd believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. In Psalms 37, 4 and 5, delight yourself also in the Lord, and he will grant unto you the desires of your heart. Commit your way unto him, and he shall bring it to pass. In Psalm 71, 1, in thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. May I never be put to confusion. In Psalms 91, 1, 91, 2, he who dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God. In him do I put my trust. My favorite Old Testament verse, Psalms 91, 15, and he shall call upon me. And I will answer him. I will be with him in times of trouble. I will deliver him and I will honor him. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, in New Zealand, the sure word of God, you can stand on it. You can plant your feet on it. It's a solid rock, a sure foundation. And if God said it, it's going to come to pass. Psalms 138 and 8. And I 
This is just for you, Rebecca. I will perfect that which concerneth you. It doesn't matter how little or how small. It may seem insignificant to the world or to the people around you. But if it's important to you, it's important to your heavenly Father. I'm telling you, don't give up on your dream. Isaiah 55 and 11, so shall be my word that goes forth out of my mouth. It will not return unto me void, but it will accomplish that which I please, and it will prosper in the thing wherein I have sent it. Jeremiah 1 and 12, for I will hasten my word to perform it. Jeremiah 15, 16, your words were found, and I did eat them, and your word was unto me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart, for I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. Jeremiah 23 and 29, is not my word like a fire and like a hammer that breaketh the rock into pieces. Jeremiah 29 and 11, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and to give you a hope. I could go on and on and on with that. And I'm going to leave out one of the stories. But I want to close by telling you a true story. In 1926, there was a 19-year-old girl by the name of Gertrude Elderly. And Gertrude had a dream. She had a goal. She said, I want to be the first female to ever swim the English Channel. Now, to tell you how difficult that was, first of all, no woman had ever done it. Only uh, five men had ever done it. The English Channel is 21 miles long, and the water is extremely cold and very choppy. Gertrude was nine when she first learned to swim, but she was, she was only, it was later, 15, when she got any kind of formal training. So when she was 18, she tried to swim the English Channel, and she got about halfway through, and her coach made her quit. Do you know what Gertrude said? I'm firing that coach. I'm going to get me a new coach, one who believes in me and one who believes in my dream and my mission. And she tried it the next year. And Gertrude Elderly, at the age of 19, swam the English Channel 21 miles. She did it in only 14 and a half hours. And in fact, She's, no, yes. And in fact, she broke the record by two hours. Those five men that had done it before, she did it two hours faster than the men who had done it before her. You see, that girl, Gertrude, said, I'm all in. This is my desire. This is my dream. This is my passion. This is my mission. This is the thing that I want to accomplish. She didn't give up just because her first coach didn't believe in her or didn't believe in what she was doing. She said, I'll get a new coach and I'll keep on trying. 
Ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you something. You may fall. You may fall many times. Falling is not good, but it's worse to not get back up and try again. And you know what the good news is about falling? Pastor Sam, and making mistakes, you learn from them. You learn all the things not to do. You learn all the ways to avoid those mistakes again, and you become stronger. You become better because you can learn from the mistakes that you've gone through. Now, I want to end here, and it says i got three minutes and 41 seconds. Can I buy a few, two or three minutes? All right, we'll make a deal. <laughs> I know the Lord gave me this word to share with all of you today. I know sometimes people just think that God calls people to be missionaries or singers or musicians or pastors. But God is looking for some anointed school teachers. God is looking for some successful bankers and lawyers and investment advisors. God is saying, I can take your life and I can place you in the marketplace and I can let your light shine. I can cause you to be a person of influence. I can use you right where you are. You've got to declare, I'm all in. You've got to declare, God, whatever you tell me to do, I'm saying, yes, Lord, here am I. Send me, I'm available. I will surrender everything I have. When the Lord called me to preach, I was the most unlikely person that there could ever be. Well, it took a while for it to get from America, but here's the microphone. When the cameras died in Montgomery, I took this wee little fella right here. Hello, Montgomery. This is Marcus and Joni. I want to tell you about our cameras dying. Is that not amazing? I've kept it all these years, Pastor Sam, to remind me of the faithfulness of God, the goodness of God, that even when things look dark, God can come on the scene and His light can shine so brightly. So there are people here of destiny. Oh, yes, Mark is the most unlikely person to be called to preach. Thank you, Lord. I'm getting older. You have to keep reminding me things. I was 15, and I was, my parents weren't preachers. My grandparents weren't preachers. My great-grandparents weren't preachers. As far as I know, nobody in our family had ever been a preacher. And I was so shy. I couldn't even look people in the eye. I just turn my head and hold my head down. And when God called me to preach, first thing I said, Lord, Lord, I don't want to be a preacher. I said, let me be a doctor. And before I put my patients under anesthesia, Kathy, I'll look at them and say, now you may not wake up from this anesthesia, so if you're not ready to meet the Lord. This would be a good time to pray and to get saved. He said, no, I've called you to preach. And then I said, all right, if you won't let me be a doctor, let me be a lawyer. Let me be an attorney. I can make a lot of money. I can pay big tithes. I can support missions. Plus, a lot of your kids are getting in trouble 
and they will need my help. He said, no, I've called you to preach. And I'm so glad that he did. There couldn't be a greater, grander, more enjoyable thing for me in all the world to have the honor and the privilege to declare His Word, His good news, and to encourage His people. There's greatness on the inside of you. You may not see it right now. God doesn't show you everything in advance. I say there's two reasons why. One, either you would be so overwhelmed by what He would show you that you would be fearful and you may become paralyzed with fear and not go forward. Or you'd be so excited, you'd want to run to the opportunity before you were ready or before the people or the situation he would have to be involved would be ready. So that's why God says every morning when you get up, look to me, listen to me. Be led by my Holy Spirit today. And every day that you are led by the Holy Spirit, He's bringing you into the ultimate will and plan of God for your life. I want everybody to stand all over the building, quietly and reverently. I still have two minutes and one second, according to that countdown clock. Plus, you told me I had 45 minutes, and when I came up here, it was saying 39 minutes. That's why I didn't have my Joni come up here. I already got robbed six minutes in New Zealand. Listen, there are people in this congregation that are, God is going to give you either an incredible idea or an incredible opportunity. If God will do that, will you say to him, I'm all in? And will you be generous and share the fruit of what God gives you with your church, Equippers Church? You've heard this message here today. There are people I believe that could have a multi-million dollar idea or a multi-million dollar opportunity. You know who God usually shares those with? The ones that have a generous heart that are willing to then share it with others. There's nothing greater that you could do. The scripture says, he who wins souls is wise. Let him know that he that shall save a soul from death shall hide a multitude of sins. Ladies and gentlemen, winning souls, that's the highest thing that you could ever do. And you don't have to be a preacher to do it. As I said, I didn't come from a preacher's home. Joni didn't come from a preacher's home. But our parents, they were faithful to the house of God. Every time the doors were open, they were there and they had us there. They were the people that were always faithful to give, to sacrifice financially, or to go and work in the church and to help, or to stand behind, beside the pastor and hold his arms up. That's what we were taught. God wants to use you, but you just got to start being faithful right where you are. It may just be a little. You may think you're insignificant, but you're not insignificant to God. And if you'll be faithful in a little, there we start in that little city of Montgomery, Alabama, in such humble beginnings. 
that even the great Dr. Lester Summerall said, there'll never be a Christian TV station there. That young couple doesn't know what they were doing. And he was right about half of it. We didn't know what we were doing. But God knew what he was doing. And he knows what he's doing with you if you'll just say yes and declare, Lord, I'm all in. I'm getting ready to turn this to your pastor in a moment, but I want us to take two of my six minutes I was robbed of. And I want us to pray together. My Joni wrote a tremendous book. It reached number seven on the bestsellers list called Surrender All. The Bible tells us in Psalms 134 and 2 to lift our hands in the sanctuary. When we lift our hands to God, that is a sign of surrender. You ever seen little kids play cops and robbers? They'll use their finger as an imaginary gun. They'll say, stick them up, stick them up. And you stick them up, you're saying, I surrender. Well, what a greater thing you could do. You see, your plans have no promise of success. But his plans have no possibility of failure. And you've seen today, Daystar is seen in every country of the world. And Daystar remains the only full-time Christian TV network that's actually owned in all the homes in Israel. Why is that important? Because in Micah chapter 4, it said that in the last days, the gospel shall go forth from Mount Zion. The Daystar TV studio in Jerusalem is on Mount Zion. God's chosen people are hearing the gospel 24 hours a day, seven days a week, which God said in the last days it would happen. But there were so many times Joni and I could have given up, but we didn't. You see, it's no sin to feel like giving up. There's a lot of pastors every Monday, they feel like resigning, they feel like giving up. But then their wives encourage them and say, all right, hang in there. And then on Tuesday, <laughs> they're back in the saddle, ready to ride on and keep serving God. So I want you to get ready in a second. You're gonna lift your hands, so that's surrender. But what's the other thing it does? You're pointing in the direction from where your help comes. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit breathes upon you and sweeps over this building and the Holy Spirit begins to pray or to praise through you in that heavenly language. Lift your hands now up to the Lord. Close your eyes and open your heart. And just begin to declare His goodness. Just take a moment and begin to praise Him. The Bible says, lift up your voice like a trumpet. Cry aloud and spare not. Just begin to love Him. Father, I love you. 
I love you, Lord. God, you know what I've been through this week. You know the battles that I've faced. You know the temptations I've gone through. You know the troubles and the trials. But God, you brought me here. I'm here today in a Quipper's church. I've been in your presence. I've heard the word of God. And now, Lord, I ask for your spirit to fall afresh and anew upon me. Holy Spirit, this in my heart, rise up and overflow my vessel. Holy Spirit, fall on the people now. Fall, fall, fall. Holy Spirit, power, fall on the people. Breathe on your people, Lord. Let them sense your glorious presence. I challenge you to just wave your hand and stir up the Holy Spirit that's permeating this atmosphere.